All right, this is Tim Crisp, and you're listening to Road to the Skeleton Coast. Brandon Kelly. Brandon, what's going on, Bubba? How are you? I'm great, man. And you know what? We just did a little Patreon thing, and I told you that there was two things that I had been thinking of, uh, and I only told you one. That's true. The one I told you was so feckoned, like the fertile crescent for conversation. Uh, that's I think a that's pl- what they call my ass crack, the fertile crescent. Uh, weird. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that I didn't get to the second one. And so we'll, we'll do it here on the, on the gen, general population page. Um, mm. I saw pizza today where the crust was jalapeno poppers. Oh, fuck. And it, it's like replaced religion for me. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing I want more. And it's funny. I, I tweeted about it and I said, I saw this, this pizza where the crust was jalapeno poppers and... It's my new God now. And I got like a bunch of texts back that were like, where's it from? Where's it from? Mm -hmm. And it's like, yo, this is the internet. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I, I, you can find out so easily. But please bother me about it. I just turned you on to it, man. Like, <laughs> fucking. I gave you the ball. You just have to run it across the line. You just, you don't even have, you just copy and paste it and put it in Google. Like, you don't even have to type it in. Like, I already wrote it down for you. So, so yeah, jalapeno popper crust pizza. I want it so bad. Um, I never want to eat anything else again as long as I live. Just thinking about it makes my stomach hurt. Um, mm. And that's how I am. How are you, Tim? I'm doing great, Brendan. Yesterday was Groundhog Day. And for the so first time... today. <laughs> <laughs> for the first time in my life, someone asked me if I wanted to watch Groundhog Day on Groundhog Day. And I said, yes, I do. And we did. It's amazing. I love that movie. I feel like there's a really, like, uh, kind of, what's that dude that writes all the Sam Rockwell movies? Um, f- who wrote, like, Being John Malkovich? And- oh. Um, uh, people are mad at us right now. Um uh. I, I don't know. I know that it's not Noah Baumbach, but I'm going to say that so that it like maybe jars your memory. Spike Jones directed Being John Malkovich, though. Right. I got that. Sam Rockwell was... Charlie? Charlie Kaufman. Kaufman. There you go. So I feel like there's a Charlie Kaufman movie waiting to be made. I'm really giving away a great idea here and <laughs> about a guy who's forced to watch Groundhog Day every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
It'll just disintegrate over the course of the movie. No, I mean, but that's 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 like that Charlie Kaufman shit, man. Like you know, like the mm-hmm. extra layer of weirdness. He he's good. I love him. Um, Friend of the show. Yes, friend of the show, Charlie Kaufman. If you're out there and you want to talk a little bit more about my spec script about making people watch, um, it's called Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, <laughs> Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day style uh, <laughs> is what it's called. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> get in touch. Uh, better. Uh, Brendan Kelly podcast at gmail.com. Uh, That's our email. That's Charlie the Co- one. Charlie Kaufman. Uh, <laughs> specifically, I'm talking to you. Um, Charlie, I, I hope that you enjoyed last week's episode of Road to the Skeleton Coast, uh, featuring among you know many great moments. We, we had words from Christopher McGoggin, which we're going to have again this week. One of my heroes. Mine too. Oh, and I'm recording while we're talking, Brendan. How about that? Um, me too. All right. So we got we got some tracks to discuss this week. Brendan and I enjoyed episode number three of They Come to America. Talked about Texas. Texas, yeah, um, dude. I mean, I don't want to give away what Garrett Dale of Red City Radio is on, and I don't want to give away what his favorite state and his least favorite state were. But both choices were awesome, uh, <laughs> and it made me die laughing while we were recording it. So they're not—they're not too long, you know. Give, give it a listen, uh, wherever you can find podcasts. They Come to America is what it's called. Um, but thank you very much, Tim. It's um, it's fun to get the ball rolling on a new thing, always. Totally. You and Marty are great. Everybody give that a follow or a subscription on your podcast, Player Machines. Rate that shit, too. Ratings and reviews are... Very good for visibility. If you haven't done so with ours, hey, what's stopping you? Uh, I had better. Uh, I had Jamie Coletta of No Earbuds on Better Yet this week. Jamie's uh, PR for a lot of great bands: Jeff Rosenstock, Pup, Rat she, Boys. She used to work for a side one dummy, and then one day the doors were just barred, like hammered shut yeah yeah um i don't know jamie at all um i don't think but you know we have similar ish circles so um but i think that she does a good job at what she does and i thought that was a weird thing and of (laughs) weirdly enough of all the people that were like affected by that like immediate side one dummy closing i was the most uh not moved i bummed for her i guess yeah 
is the way I'd put it. Like, like Chris Fair, and I'm like, man, you land on your feet. Like, you're... Mm-hmm. He's too you beautiful have, to not land on his feet. You have Jamie Coletta to uh-huh. <laughs> tell people that you're dope. <laughs> right? But, uh... But her, I was like, damn, man, that's like the infrastructure that somebody like a publicist needs, you know, and it becomes mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I don't want to get too like inside baseball in terms of like how record labels work and all that shit, because I know it's not that interesting. But uh, um, yeah, you should listen to The Better Yet with Jamie Coletta on it. Um, it's that, great. We we get like we get into that a lot and like what she's doing now after the fact. It's really cool, super inspiring to see somebody like take a negative and just say, "Well, fuck this. I'm doing my own thing." I love like this. my like my dad did like when I was born. All right, we'll see y'all next week. <laughs> Fuck, that's a that's a George Costanza. Like, all right, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> God damn. Well, it, <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get to Chris and uh-huh. and, uh, and the songs uh, that we're going to talk about this week, I do want to talk about the. Uh, the album art for Skeleton Coast. We talked about the cover, which was painted by Jeremy Bruniel, and uh, the rest of the layout is done by David Holtz. Is he, is yeah. he a Dave or a David? Uh, I think he's more of a David, but I don't think that like Dave is the kind of thing that pisses him off. Okay. You know what I mean? You uh, call him David. Hi, David. Yeah, I call him uh-huh. David. <laughs> Sorry, that, I was just testing it out. Yeah. <laughs> well, but like my friend, yeah. Dave, like my friend Dave Haas. Hi, Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend Dave Dunham. Hi, Dave. Yeah, I could hi, never Dave. call David Anthony Dave. It'd be too weird. Yeah, He's hi, not Dave. A Dave. Hi, David. Yeah, David Anthony, David Haas, or <laughs> David Haas. I, okay, too many Davids. <laughs> What is what is this <laughs> fucking uh, 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 fucking uh, that one town from the Bible <laughs> that I don't remember the name of? Oh, um, David's Town. Yeah. Well, it it would have been really good if I had been like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm already hating. I'm hating that I'm like still on this. But, uh, <laughs> just let it go, let it go, or let's just like, get it out. Let's get there. Yeah, well, you know, okay. So, like back in the day, it's like I'm not enough of a biblical scholar to know, like, where like Solomon's temple is, or like who, like where, like where King Di- Judea. There, mm-hmm. there you go. What is this Judea? All oh, these yeah. fucking David. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah, boom. <laughs> What's Judea? I don't know. Uh, it's a city where there was a lot of people named David. 
So, David Holtz, I mean, he's been working with you all for, what, since the beginning? Close to? Uh, yeah, I think, I think I did the layout for the first two records, which is hilarious. Uh-huh. I have, like, no artistic ability whatsoever, um, which is evidenced in those particular layouts. Um, and then for the Shady View Terrace split, um, the guy that <laughs> did Shady, like, did the that record label, it was called Castaway. Mm-hmm. Before it was on Asian Man, it was on Castaway Records. Uh, this was the, I, I believe, the first release. Maybe I'm Only wrong. release. Yeah, well, it makes sense. Um, <laughs> and then he had somebody do that, and then Mike Park redid it when he bought it. Mm-hmm. And then Present Day Memories, Mike Park did. And that makes sense, because like, you see that those two don't have like that sort of like iconic imagery that we are so fond of like on the covers of our records mm-hmm. um not those covers bad but like we're used to big or, you know i think simple sweeping things you mm-hmm. know so like apathy and exhaustion for example it's a painting done by a friend josh marshall and David Holtz started laying out our stuff at that point, and then we never looked back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And the Shady View Terrace split is pretty terrible artwork. <laughs> I mean, like, it, it's, it's got, like, a real, like, tool, the, the band yeah. quality to it. Uh-huh. You know, and it's like, I, ooh, Fibonacci sequence. Yeah, neat. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, there's a good idea in there. I think I it's think. all, I think it's all fine. I, I, I don't, I can't complain about anything that's led me to where we are today, Tim. But, uh, oh, you're talking about the road to the skeleton coast. Goddamn right. But, yeah, like, I mean, Mike Park named the EP Present Day Memories. You yeah. know, I was, I, I was like, what does that mean? And he goes, oh, you know, dude, it's like Present Day Memories. I, I also uh, just listened <laughs> to our other episode, and I have to clarify something. Oh, sure. I, I don't think that Mike ever actually served the Triscuits with the chewed up Triscuits <laughs> covered in Parmesan cheese. I don't think he actually did that. Um, I He did express such glee in doing it that I was like, he's going to do this for mm-hmm. sure. But I've never witnessed him serving that. I don't know that he did. Um, the main thing I was trying to get across is that gross, 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 the grossest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, 
He served him. He tried to serve him to me, but it wasn't baked with Parmesan on top. But he was like, like a Triscuit. So he he did try. I don't know. I, I don't want to go down this fucking rabbit hole again too long. But but yeah. So I think that is a good clarification that he didn't. Serve he didn't them. like serve them to strangers or people who didn't know. Like I was sitting there watching him do this disgusting act, mm-hmm. and, and so he knew I knew. Uh, you, you know, and it's more of but, a different Mike move, I think. He, but Mike is a Mike is a good, kind, loving person, and I just listened to the last episode and felt like I made it sound like he was maybe. Spiking the Kool Aid, a little bit, yeah, and mm-hmm. and and no, that's not his style at all. He was just being gross because we're old friends, mm-hmm. and he was being gross, <laughs> <laughs> you know, sure. like and and and, and, it was, and it was all good fun. Uh, so if anybody had any bad feelings about, if anybody out there has any bad feelings about Mike Park. Drive to my house and I will beat them out of you because Mike Park is the greatest person of all time. There's not a bad bone in his body, and I will. He's one of the only people that's not got the last name Kelly that I will defend to the death. (laughs) (laughs) Drive 42 miles an hour on your way to Brendan's house. (laughs) I think it was 43.4 miles an hour. So uh, my question, I guess, with regards to uh, David and the cover is, why have Jeremy do the cover and why not have David do it? Um, Because, so David doesn't, first, David is busy as shit, for Mm -hmm. one thing. His his day job keeps him... uh, you know, like on the grindstone, uh, quite a bit. And, um, he's not an illustrator as Mm. well. So when he did Metropole, it's like, that's a composite, right? That's, I mean, that's a silhouette of me from an old Lawrence arms, uh, promo photo walking through, what like vectored lines and then mm-hmm. something that was like taken off like an old pulp novel that was yeah. probably taken off of uh Getty or something like that. You know, like it's yeah. it's not it's not like which is not to see I mean David's a great designer, but mm-hmm. he's not an illustrator. And and so as soon as this, the concept of this whole record came up, you know, I'm, obviously it's like, it's what I do. I'm talking to David. I'm talking to Matt. I'm talking to Chris. I'm talking to Neil. I'm talking to Sonic Ranch. You know, I'm just kind of doing everything to get it all in order. And, um, and David's just like, I'm going to get an illustrator. I'm going to get the illustrator from... Uh, we are the champions, and mm-hmm. and I was like, "Fuck yeah, that guy's awesome, love him." 
<laughs> yeah. you know, and and uh, and so that's why. I mean, it's just not really his purview, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like. It's not what he does, but what he did was that beautiful font and like yeah, the color and like the I don't know. I think it's I think it's just gorgeous. I I like really am a fan of just how it looks, just on a visceral level. I, I mean the font is really really tremendous and it's something that like it it really fits into your aesthetic for how you've like designed like you know the Lawrence Arms the way that it's written out but it's I don't know it's crafted in in such a way that's so befitting to the record and I think like I don't know there's like a classiness to it my wife has been a designer for decades and for like high profile clients and companies and stuff and she's created like things that I don't know I don't really totally want to get into it but like everyone's seen the shit that she's made um Mm. like it's like big stuff and when she saw that font she was like what did David do? Mm. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like, it's really a testament to David that whatever the fuck David did, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, especially just like, I love the way that the L goes underneath that first A. But isn't that like, what our logo has always done and so this is just a manipulation of that font Mm. which is more testament to david being like a genius because i don't think he fucking kerned these letters himself Mm -hmm. you know i think uh for those of you out there who uh, have too much sex to know what kerned means um (laughs) That's like the difference between the space of letters and like how the letters look and all of that kind of shit. Like, once you get kind of a font, kerning it is manipulating it into the way you want it to most look. And, um, and I think David did that to be representative of the Lawrence Arms logo and at the same time of a new chapter. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And um, I think he succeeded very, very well. Is this your favorite record cover, you think? Of the Lawrence arm? Yeah. Uh, I 
Maybe. Uh, the thing is that David just loves greatest story so much, and he's just the creator. Mm-hmm. And so if I, I find it hard to not stand by my man, as it were. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, uh, like, it, yeah. It, we are, we are a wolf pack over here. And I am down for like you say this is this is the coolest thing. I'm behind you till mm-hmm. the, the day I die. Yeah, <laughs> that'll happen the other way. But uh, you know, um, but I do love this cover. It, here's the thing: is like the light pink and the. The sort of like beautifulness of it and stuff. I don't know if I would have gotten what it was about, you know, 15 years ago mm-hmm. when I was doing other records, other Lawrence Arms records. But it is. I think it's, well, here's the thing. It's like the most iconic cover we have is O'Calcutta. And that's also my least favorite because it's the least artistic. Mm -hmm. It's the most like stock footage. And I don't mean any disrespect to Sergi uh, who did it, but he had to throw that together very fast. Mm -hmm. The, (laughs) The best cover we've ever had is, Definitely butt sweat and tears. I love butt sweat the, and tears. Yeah, it, like the, it just it. However long it takes you to get the joke that is present on that cover is that's the key thing. <laughs> uh, because it's a beautifully rendered photograph done by Ben Peer, and then the layout by David Holtz with the, the awesome like fucking. Blink one eighty two first date video uh fucking uh letters, mm-hmm. you know. Uh it it just looks so good. I mean and for those of you who are like wondering what the joke is, it's like it's two glasses, one is butt sweat, one is tears. Uh it's butt sweat and tears on the cover. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so when you when you talk about like talking to Neil, talking to Chris, um, is I mean, I think that you were speaking in in that instance just about like putting everything together. But how how hands on is everyone through this process of art and like? giving David an idea of like what you're looking to do. Okay. So when we were doing the art, the, uh, we were already at Sonic ranch Mm -hmm. and, um, I, like, I guess what would be considered to be maybe a slightly dysfunctional way. We had talked about like the three of us, 
talk about what we were into for the for the cover mm-hmm. and like what had happened in terms of the songwriting that was like stuff that should be addressed like the preponderance of wild dogs on the album it's like it would be stupid to not <laughs> acknowledge that on the mm-hmm. cover you know like stuff like that and um so we had had like a kind of a basic discussion but in the interest of uh probably laziness i guess um i was just like just email me anything that you guys think would be cool to have on the cover of the record the end result was this fucking laundry list of <laughs> like it was like a like a fucking chilies or something like you know there's like so much shit on the walls and I mean, like, literally, that was kind of like the kind of the idea. And here's the fucked up thing: every idea that was supposed to be on those walls mm-hmm. of this like club that these like foxes and wolves lived in was good. So the dude. Was like, I love this. I even drew more than you guys said yeah. because, like, these are all this is so fun. Like, this is good stuff. But then I got it back and I was like, this is too much. Like, I can't deal with this. And I was like, dudes, this is what we asked for. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know? The and, moose head has and, sunglasses on. <laughs> And 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 the, yeah, and they were uh, and they were both like, yeah, no, this is way too much. And so I don't know. We made a decision together that was like, what we need is we need the fox, we need the ship that looks like a whale, mm-hmm. we need the garbage, we need, um. The you know coastline or whatever, and let's see if this can if he can do that, mm-hmm. right? And if if he can do that, that'd be great. And if he can't, we'll go to another uh, avenue of getting an album cover because whatever and. He came back with this, and we were all like, damn, dude. Yeah. So good. <laughs> so, so good. Like, I mean, I think it's a beauty Yeah, of an album cover. It really is. I, I, I just love the colors so much, too. And it's, it's one of those covers that you can kind of look at so many times and see different things and like you look up close and the way he just like mixes watercolor with oil in spots and you can like really see the texture to it it's yeah so is it just like the cover that you're describing as being too much is this one just like he just pulled some of the mess out and consolidated so the cover the cover that i was describing 
as being too much was a sketch. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. literally, like, probably on a, like, sheet of 3M paper, mm-hmm. right? And it was of a, like, thir- mm, one, two, three, four, four-sided um, cube covered in shit all the shit we talked about with like a fox sitting in it in like an easy chair mm. like smoking because we talked about like a social club for wild dogs like that was kind of where it started you know and Sorry, I'm just thinking about that movie wild dogs which is that's wild, wild hogs, hogs that which is a social club yeah. for dudes yeah I also have made my own movie called Wild Hogs. <laughs> it's me and all my friends thumping our dicks together. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, um, <laughs> I love Flappy in in both instances too. Like Flappy on the front and on the back. It, it, it's just so crazy yeah. how well he integrated that logo into this yeah and to be honest i I have no fucking idea which one of these unbelievably talented gentlemen did the back um Mm -hmm. i kind of feel like it might have been david that did that and i would hate to discredit him if he did but i don't know um well, either way, David did unbelievable stuff on the insert, too. The LP jacket. Um, I absolutely like love the way the text is formatted for the song titles. Just having the cursive and then that all caps. Sort of like almost woodblock carving. It is neat. It's like, um, I feel like it's an oblique reference to Greatest Story Ever Told, right? Um, and mm. But, which, in a very real way, that's what this record is. But uh, it's a much more seasoned thing. And this is a lot more like, my dear, you know. My dear Abigail, these days on the sea have been long and hard. <laughs> I don't know that I'll see you again. I like, I kind of, that's kind of the vibe I get from this record a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the art, particularly, but also the songs. Uh, Call me Ishmael. Okay, you're Ishmael. Um, no, because it, 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 it really does look like. Illustrations that are inside Moby Dick, um, like the skeletons too. Are these like, you know, are, are these like pulled from old books, or do you know if some of these are? Uh, these are all um, sourced by David Holtz, and um, you know, approved by us, mm-hmm. of course. But like. My thing is the bass and one of the voices. Uh, Chris's thing is the guitar and one of the voices. Neil's thing is the drum. 
and Matt Allison's thing is the studio work, and so the art thing is David Holtz. Like we are a band. Like David Holtz is in our band. Mm-hmm. You you know what I mean? And so it's like. He pulls this shit out and goes, is this cool? And it's the same way that, like, when I do the Skeleton Coast bass line and Neil and Matt Allison go, that's not right. And I go, all right, I fucking don't like you guys right now, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to change it. And I bet you'll probably make it better, even though I don't like this. You know, like, it's it's the same thing. So that's David Holtz's job in our band. And he's very much in our band. I mean, that's what I think of when I think of the Lawrence Arms is like a collective, mm-hmm. you know? I think of I think of David, I think of uh Tinkler Toby for sure, um Matt Allison. Um would you guys like to li- listen to me uh, list off more people that you've never heard of? Uh, I'm sure this is fascinating never content. Yeah, they know all <laughs> those people. Um, yeah, I noticed that you thank Matt Marty in here. I that's that's interesting to me. Yeah, well, he was the one that I had the much more fun podcast with. You know, well, I'm just kidding. I love you, I, Tim. I love you. Uh, I think you're the best. Uh, I, yeah, no, I like Matt Marty. He's great. I like Matt Marty too. <laughs> I, I just, I just love playing the. Uh, oh, but you, you said something that uh, I wrote down, and. I guess I, I guess this is something that I thought, but never really thought in such, uh, uh, in such terms. But when you're saying that you think of this record a lot with, uh, just in terms of, uh, I think you said oblique references to greatest story, and this is, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Could you elaborate on that? Well, I mean, they're the only two records that start with Chris songs Mm -hmm. um they are highly thematic in a vague way as opposed to a vibe way Mm -hmm. um and they're not as violent kind of like Mm. by, by violent i just mean like I guess I guess that's a terrible word. I guess I would like to retract "violent" and say "party mode." Um, <laughs> they're not as party mode as the other yeah. ones, you, you know. And um, and like, it always felt to me like we were going to do like greatest stories, dad. <laughs> at this point, you know. Yeah. Like, it, it it was never a question. What's funny is that, like, there's some stuff on it where, like, where it's, like, you got uh, fucking 
you know, Ron Searing Flash was like, well, this has got to be the first song because I don't know where else it would go. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out that that's great. But then we did like that weird thing with the intro and and that which was all planned already, but you know it turned out great, but in doing stuff you become very careful mm-hmm. and go, like, this will be forever. Mm-hmm. Is this right? And like when we when we uh, put her on Searing Flesh as the first song on uh, Great Story Ever Told, I believe I'm speaking for all of us when I say we were uh, confused. Uh, not confused, but maybe like... Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like that 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 sound I think sums up more and and it, it, it turned out good. And then on this one it's Quiet Storm, which is a burner mm-hmm. right out of the gate. So it's not like apples to apples or whatever, but yeah. Like but at the same time It's more of a thoughtful, fictive, um, academic record than Calcutta was, and then even Metropole was. Yeah. And, and it's not to... We only got so many records, you know? And it's like, yeah, this is a lot like that one. <laughs> I don't well, know. Yeah, like it's yeah, not... yeah, totally. I feel like, um, you know, take take the Coens... For example, you can look at that canon and you can say like, oh, okay, a serious man is like a version of Barton Fink, but dialed in a little bit differently. Oh, totally. I mean, I think you could say that uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou is Raising Arizona, but fleshed out into a full biblical parable. Uh, But, you know... Who am I? Think I? It's the I'm just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Odysseal parable. It's fine. Uh, Sorry. Sorry. What do I? Just my fart smells so good. I just need to sniff them sometimes. Mm. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. It's it, it all. It all makes sense. I guess. Did you? I mean, certainly, like greatest story was the beginning of let's put a central theme to all of our records were you i guess how how conscious of you of the greatest story like parallels were you was there were you feeling like you had to differentiate it did you sort of want to once uh Quiet Storm was kind of like determined to be the first song. Uh-huh. Um, I was like, oh, this has got a real great story vibe, you know? Like, and um, and then like, but then there's like the demon that like comes like kind of like at the same point of 
March the Elephants in Greatest Story. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we intentionally tried to stack the sequence to look the same or anything or feel the same, but I think that our um, intentionality and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like, well, our intentionality is to do things that way, and these songs fell into that same pattern. You know, mm-hmm. our aesthetic is what I was trying to think. Yeah, of. like our aesthetic builds like this and um yeah i think you're you're a lot more cohesive though it's not quite the like back and forth that greatest story has it's not quite as oppositional as like your songs and chris's are on greatest story is that fair to say it is, but you know what's funny is I don't think that we are as helpful on this album on each other's songs. Like, I don't think my backing vocals are as good on Chris's songs as they were on Greatest Story, and I don't think Chris's backing vocals are as... Like... What I'm really thinking of specifically is Fireflies Mm -hmm. and how much, like, I think that if I died in, like, I don't know, fucking, uh, you know, so Vincent Price came back from the dead and was like, and his finest moment in vocalism. That might be it, you know, like, and, and I say, I say that, and I guess what I'm saying is I didn't do a Fireflies on this record, Mm -hmm. um, but Chris did the guitar solo on Demons, so I guess I'm talking out of my (laughs) ass because that shit makes that song. (laughs) Um, all right. Let's throw it over to Chris for last, last words, and then you and I'll come. So last, last words, we talked about that when the song came out. Um, It was one one of the greatest things that I ever got to do. Um, but one thing I'm, I'm interested um, in in, the, in thinking about it over time too is if anything in particular uh, inspired the the Catcher in the Rye references. I think yeah, Salinger sure. is someone that also like Salinger could be like five different people in this in your songs on this record of just the <laughs> exile. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like the. So, I mean, like most, I guess, people are certainly Americans. Yeah, I think most people in America, whatever, <laughs> read Catcher in the Rye at some point when they're young. Um, and, you know, probably a lot of them also identified a little bit with 
with Holden or whatever. Um, it's definitely not about catcher in the rye, but I was just playing with some of the things that I mm-hmm. felt like I related to. And the big image for me, you know, was always the red hunting hat and how, you know, if we want to get like literary analysis here, like whatever, that that was like a little bit of like Holden's, um, you know, uh, like it was his object of like uh, his, his kind of hanging on to like his youth a bit or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so the, it was almost like, I find it comical the way, like I found it funny. I suppose it's like what I was trying to do was funny to me and yeah. maybe not to anybody else, but just was this idea that like, um, that here I am, you know, trying to write this record. Um, I am not young, uh, particularly <laughs> and <laughs> that like somehow I'm like holding on to this, like, uh, this piece this image of my, of my adolescence, mm-hmm. you know, at, you know, at 40 years old and that somehow, uh, that here I am in my, in my hunter's cap, you know, um, ticking box 41, which was like the thing I got asked a lot of questions about is like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. And it's like, uh-huh. yeah, it doesn't really make any sense until it's like, until you kind of explain it. It's like, it was just like checking off the 41st year of my life in a hunting mm. cap. And so that was like the catcher of the rye reference, right? It's like yeah. that I, that I am, I am still, um, you know, uh, 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 in this Holden, like, you know, vessel. At my, at my, at my age. Um, so I, so yeah, so that was like that second verse and kind of like the play, the play around like the catcher and the rye stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like trying to run the words in my head, but like, uh, I think, you know, I mean, it kind of feels like a literary, I guess it has like a literary song kind of feel a little bit, yeah. um, in some, in some different ways. Um, I think what made the song, you know, interesting, I think we've talked about it is some of the instrumentation and then also like the chord hook, which is the opening of the song, you know, it has a little bit of like a backwards approach, um, than some more of like the straight things that I've written. So it's, it's just kind of like, like it starts on the, res- on the resolve note. It just has a little bit of like a backwards like vibe, yeah, um, it's, which it's I think a... makes it feel kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. There's like, I guess if you were to look at that in like time, that note that it opens with would, would be like the four, and then when the chord hits in, that's like, that's the yeah. one. Um, I did want to did want to ask you about because you you told the story in uh, in Brooklyn Vegan, and I think it relates to some of the things that that we um, have talked about uh, with what you're writing, but your reaction to the demon and just being like, Yo, dog, <laughs> you good? Everything all right? <laughs> I mean, like, if you listen to it finished, you know, uh, it has a different, I think, effect. Mm-hmm. But when you're listening to just, like, a jangly, like, demo that Brendan recorded on his iPhone and he yeah. sent to you, um, I think you could uh, understand why <laughs> I might feel that way. <laughs> it's really the rawness of it that uh, that makes yeah. it like, oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. 
and we're back. Friday. Right. Hump day. We <laughs> got a PBR non-alcoholic. Nice. That's ironic, I think, that those are called non-alcoholics because only alcoholics drink uh, th- that style of beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> What's up? I was- there's, never, there's never been a person that's like, eh, I don't really care for the feeling of alcohol, but I'll, I'll just have one of these non-alcoholic <laughs> beers. They should be called alcoholic beers. <laughs> exactly. That's totally true. One time I was in New Orleans, I went to the Hard Rock Cafe, get a little uh, culture, you know, and I go up to the bar and I said, hey, could I get an O'Doul's? And the guy behind the bar is like, yeah, sure, man. And then he comes back. He's like a 23-year-old with like a swoop haircut. And uh, he's like, hey, let me ask you something. I, I noticed our, like non-alcoholic beers, that's mostly something that like alcoholics drink right like are you are you a recovering alcoholic and i was like yeah I, yeah I, I guess i don't drink anymore um and he's like that's that's cool man i've been to rehab a couple times i couldn't make it work but good on you and i was like thanks uh, <laughs> I, you know, well, hey man everybody everybody's got their third path right you know like uh and it's um some of us drink O'Doul's, and some of us work at the Hard Rock Cafe <laughs> in New Orleans and fucking snort meth until they wake up on the side of the bayou, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, we just heard from Chris talking about Last Last Words, and Brendan, I know that you haven't heard that side of the conversation but one thing i will relay to you is that i really liked um what insight he gave me into those holden caulfield references as just being a little tongue-in-cheek kind of poking fun at himself for being uh an old guy in a band sure yeah i mean like i think what's really like remarkable about some of the lyrical content in this um song uh the song turned out terrific by the way uh i think mm-hmm. um but tick box 41 is about him being 41 and he's about to be 44 you know it's like yeah. and, you know people are like how did you hold this record for so long and it's like there you go that's why uh <laughs> like or, or, or like or like why didn't you hold it until you could tour again i guess is mm-hmm. a more appropriate way to put it you know, um, quite the opposite of what I said initially. But it's like, yeah, no, we've been sitting on this for a long time. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like right there is a great example of that. And um, yeah, Chris has always had, I think, a spiritual connection with uh, Holden Caulfield specifically. I would say even more than like J.D. Salinger, even though uh-huh. he is kind of. The reclusive uh, poet that J.D. Salinger is as well, you know? I don't think all of that's, like, yeah. um, completely unrelated or whatever, but, um, yeah, I mean, this song is this song is fun. Like, the, the lyrics are really 
abstract, I think, but mm-hmm. in a way that's really connective with people. Obviously, this song is like hit hit a nerve with a lot of people, and uh, and so you know, it's really neat. The we just talked about the um, Ebo that's yeah prominently used on this song as well. Mm-hmm. But what I'd really like to talk about is how good the bass playing is on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I'm only kind of half joking. They, they, like, this is, this is one of my best performances on this record. It's, like, there's nothing fancy on it. Yeah. But it, it's, do you do 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 like that kind of shit is like mm-hmm. is everything I wanted to do. It's is it the star of the show? No, it's not supposed to be. You know, but like that's why it's the base. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if your base is the star of the show. You're in Primus or the Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, or that one Spinal Tap song, <laughs> <laughs> Big Bottom. Yeah, yeah, um, but. Uh, well, so yeah, I don't do anything special in it, but I feel like I did hold it down a little bit on this one. And it's like when I listen back to this record, this is one of my performances I'm more proud of. Uh, if you're out there thinking you didn't do shit, yeah, I, I'm well aware of that. Yes, uh, I, I just didn't <laughs> like I did a good workmanlike job. It's like if I rebuilt your fucking chimney or something and it didn't fall over, <laughs> you know. Yeah, totally. And I feel like there's, um, I don't know, Chris's chords, like, kind of, there's a lot of bouncing in them, just from that kickoff, like, and filling out that space is, yeah, it's not the, uh, it's not the, like, MVP, but it's definitely, like, that sturdy power forward that you need to just, you know, pick up 12 rebounds a game. Goddamn right, yeah. Um, you know, so this was one of the songs, again, where, like, I was talking to Neil, and we, like, uh, kind of did, like, a pre-production thing uh, in L.A. before we went out to um, El Paso. Just me and Neil. Chris wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um and so we we talked very candidly about like these demos and stuff like that. And I think, um, I mean, I don't know what Neil thinks about my songs, but uh, but he's got to like them at least a little bit. I, I hope he does, but you know, he doesn't have to, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But uh, <laughs> um, but with this one, um, I know I said like I thought Quiet Storm would be like. You know, like middling mm-hmm. good song, and then it turned out to be awesome. This was one I really, at first, didn't totally get, and uh, I mean, it's like it's Chris McCoggin. It's better than almost anything out there, you know. But mm-hmm. I was just like, mm-hmm. kind of like. I don't totally understand like the the feel of this song or whatever. And Neil was like, "This is like the now or old take on hundred resolutions." 
right? And yeah. I was like, yeah. say no more. The song fucking rules. <laughs> like, I just, like, I needed, like, that. Like, I needed the perspective of a drummer. Yeah. You know, for that. Because, mm-hmm. like, it, it, in the demo, it it's just a very nice song. But, like, I didn't feel the vibe. Mm-hmm. But I think that, I mean, I'm an idiot. Neil's a genius. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Chris writes a brilliant song. There, like that's the the whole trifecta, I guess. Okay, Chris writes a brilliant song, and then someone's got to explain it to Brandon. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just didn't get how it was gonna feel. Yeah. No. Totally. Totally. I feel like when you're when you're listening to demos too, you're kind of exposed to just uh, you know the bareness of it and it's pretty easy to just maybe latch on to one of two things because that's really what you're hearing right right but we we tend to all have a very um subliminal connection when it comes to this stuff and um this was just one where i was like I don't understand how the song is going to sound. Like, it wasn't that I didn't like it. It, it was like, how does this go? Mm-hmm. And Neil's like, it goes, bam, 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 just like 100 resolutions. And I was like, oh, yeah. Fucking, <laughs> yep. But It's interesting, I guess, just like what you're saying, especially this week about this record, is that you really could have, like, leaned so far into this being a very, very self-referential record to the rest of the catalog, but you kind of kept that, I guess, a little bit more subtext. Well. Or am I just... No, no, no. I think... I don't think you're wrong. Um, I I think that what it is is the... the, um, I hate when people say what it is is, but uh, um, <laughs> but what it is is that is is that um, everything everything informs itself. Like, of course, every every uh, artist worth of shit has to grow, and that's the number one thing. But to grow at the expense of recognizing what you've done in the past is like pure folly. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, we, we have some like fucking, we have some stones in the ground, you know, for this Easter Island, uh, set up, you know, and, and it like, mm. when we put more in, they might look a little bit the same and they might, reflect one another you know and i don't i don't think that's a bad thing as long as it's not fart sniffing you know like yeah sure i didn't love it i you know i love bad religion Uh but the song no direction on generator i don't love a righteous student came and asked me to reflect. He said my lifestyle was politically incorrect. 
I don't believe in self-important folks who preach. No bad religion song will make your life complete. It's like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I already Mm -hmm. knew that you were bad religion and like, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. like, I think as long as you stay out of that, and I'm talking about bad religion who's a vastly better band than we are, you know, or than anyone is really. Of course. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, that's the sort of self referentialism that I don't like personally. Maybe some mm-hmm. people probably love it, uh, but like, you know, I've said this a million times. Like, Quentin Tuppy Your Money is porno and snuff films. Is fucking uh, 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 the one with the horn in it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Akron River. Uh-huh. You know, is belly of the whale? You know, like yeah, there yeah, there yeah. is like a those all go together. If one of those is on the set list, I can guarantee you the other ones will not be. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and like that that's that's how it works. And same thing for Christmas songs as well. Um, but I don't know. I'm. I'm not going to do that for his songs, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. I know we talked about this already. We talked about this on episode one. Um, you referenced Catcher in the Rye. And I was wondering if um, if there was a, a specific aspect to that that you were going for other than you know it's a it's a buildings roman that we all kind of understand and relate to uh on greatest story you're referring to um yeah yes yes you're referring to rambling boys of disaster pleasure. or no not rambling boys of pleasure but a uh, disaster march all right um well First of all, just the title of the song alone should like mm-hmm. lead very easily into why I'm um, referencing Holden Caulfield, right? Um, but um, there's this scene where he comes home to like the hotel bar and he's drunk and he's just like, he's furious, but he's like, totally living and i think that like when you read that section of the book you're supposed to feel like he's kind of wilding out and being Mm -hmm. that good or whatever but when i read it i was like yeah damn yes fuck yeah dude he doesn't give a fuck he's pissed off He's just drinking mm-hmm. and he's a kid mm-hmm. in a bar. Nice. <laughs> you know? And um, so that was as far as my reference was supposed to go. It's not nearly as like, um, yeah, you know, yeah. peak tat specific as, as Chris does. It was it was just vibe. Um, and Yeah, I, of course. I mean, but 
You've read Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> Do you believe he caught all that rye? I heard there's this there's a a chapter <laughs> that actually got deleted that was a dream that he had where the rye caught him. Yeah. I'm glad that I asked you that Damn. question though, because I think that like that was something that we kind of just, you know, didn't didn't even really scratch the surface on. We we're just like acknowledge on to the next one. So Right. Yeah, um yeah. It's There's definitely, like, subconsciously also a nod that I'm just, like, recognizing right now to Greg Graffin saying Lord of the Flies in um, Suffer. Oh. You know, like, he kind of, like, drops that in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And it's just, like, I totally recognize it now. It wasn't conscious at all when I did it, but it's, like, Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah, of course. Like, you know, I was more like Catcher in the Rye. It's just like, hey, you get the whole book in fucking uh-huh. three, three yeah, yeah, words. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, four words. Yes, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> Sign and symbol, baby. Oh, man. I recently watched that documentary on HBO about J.D. Salinger. Not a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> find that out um doesn't surprise me terribly I, most I, dude mm-hmm. i just called chris a reclusive poet but uh <laughs> like so like i i'd like to preface this by saying not counting chris <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. recluse usually comes with some things to unpack, you know, like, um, uh, I'm not saying you're a fucking maniac or anything like that, but like to love a recluse is a hard road to hoe, I think. And, mm-hmm. and, um, no, and I'm not talking about somebody that's, um, what's like the popular like catchphrase on the internet that everybody is now introverted. Yeah, I, uh-huh. I, I'm not talking about an introvert. But uh-huh. I'm talking about a legit recluse. Um, mm-hmm. Some famous recluses include uh, Ted Kaczynski, uh, <laughs> Adolf Hitler, uh, you know, JD Salinger. Like it's it's. It's a fucking weird list, man. And and like I'm sure there's people <laughs> as I say this sentence, it's going to be I'm sure there's people that hate everybody and don't want to be around anyone that are just fine. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> but um <laughs> And also, I, I want to go back and say I'm not speaking about Chris at yeah, all. Of course. Of <laughs> like, course. Chris, In fact, we actually, Chris and I touch on this uh, in later on in this in this record. We I kind of ask him about like his own 
fascination with just like the writer in exile because it's it's throughout his work. So. Sure, and he just lives in Portland. You know? know, like it's not like <laughs> yeah, that's 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 about as far as that goes. But I mean, like he's a he, he's a wonderful gentleman. But for um, the true recluse, um, I think. Uh, I don't know. I'm not putting my money on, oh, a recluse? This guy's going to be fine. Uh, (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, The Demon. Track seven. Um, I know this is minutia, but why is it the, in parentheses? Um, Is there any, like, thought to that? Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, there's more thought to it than... Probably you want to know. Um, there's an old Lawrence Armstrong called Demons that's on Butts mm-hmm. Interiors, right? Mm-hmm. The notion of this song is that um, if you like, sort of in like a master and margarita sort of sense, if you dance with the demons enough, you become one of them. Right, mm-hmm. and I say in this song, I am the demon over and over again. But there are many demons. I am the demon only in that I'm the demon I'm talking about. You know, mm-hmm. like there's thirty demons in my head. <laughs> yeah i i'm just the one that houses them you know like so there was an intentionality to remove the title from the title of the other song just as to not have it be a mistake but that was yeah already not not to be a mistake that's i just kind of like trailed off there uh what i mean is so it's like it wouldn't be mistaken like Uh you know like on fucking spotify or whatever what have you but um there is a real intentionality to imply that the demon is just one of many you Mm -hmm. know like in this particular case, I'm the demon. If that makes sense. Yeah. So this sounds like it almost sounds like the title would dictate what follows, right? Or did you did you get to you know I'm the demon, and then sort of uh, you know, tie it all I, together I in the end? I definitely. Mm, I don't know that I've ever written a song from the title down. Like, mm-hmm. since I've been uh, a quote-unquote professional songwriter. I mean, that's when, when me and Chris were in Vegetable Train, that we, it would be like, all right, we're going to call this song uh, Penis Manwich. Okay, here we go. This is, <laughs> you know, and then we'd write it. But, like, uh, you know, it, since I've been taking this kind of seriously... Or since I've known how to take it seriously, because I thought that stuff was 
that stuff was very important to me at the time, as stupid as it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, since I've known how to take it seriously in a way that other people would also take it seriously, I guess is the best way to say it. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I don't think I've ever started with the title and worked down. Um, so the I am the demon thing definitely was the last line of the lyrics. You know, like I've said before, like when I write a song, I sit down and I crank out the lyrics and then I pick up the guitar and I try to put chords to it. If it doesn't work out right away, I'm out. But this one, um, it worked out. Um, you know, and the, I am the demon. I was like, oh, that's fucking dope. Yeah. Um, and, and oh, shit, man. I, there was something I was like going to come back to and say, and I fucking forgot. And that's a really interesting thing to say on a podcast. But anyway, um, <laughs> the, I am the demon repeated over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, first of all, when I sent this demo to Chris, he said, <laughs> everything cool, dude? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, which I was like, uh, no, no, not really, no. That's, <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> you know, but... Um, okay, no. What does that mean? But then, no, 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 no. I was you, 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 you. I'm joking. Around. I'm mm-hmm. joking. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, but then when I sent the demo to Matt Allison, I know I've said this before as well. He was like, I don't think you need to say I am the demon this many times. I think it gets repetitive, and I was like. That's the entire point mm-hmm. of the whole song mm-hmm. is that it becomes so dark that you can't help but hear that. You need it. This is not about like the way it sounds. Mm-hmm. This is about the way it feels. And to the self-flagellation of that whole thing just over and over and over and over again in every voice I have, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, what, like, I was like, if you don't get that, you don't get it. There's, I'm tempted to make it longer because you said this, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, but when you hit those, like those just so like beaten down, I am the demon where it just sounds like you're like talking into a payphone. Man, like I can smell you. Yeah. It's funny because, like, the way that it is is how I wanted it to be. But, like, I was so concerned about how it would descend. I am the demon. 
Yeah, you really hit like a do-re-mi of I am the demon. But, but like, in the studio, I was like, we have to have the demo pulled up because I did it perfectly on the acoustic mm-hmm. demo. That's how I want it to sound. And it, it's just one of those things that, like, it's so simple that it's easy to overthink. You know? Yeah. If that makes sense? And, yeah. um, and so, like... Uh, <laughs> So I was like, I don't know if I remember how to do this. And then I happened to get it in the studio without it being too big of a deal. But that was something where, like, I definitely had the acoustic demo, like, on my phone, pulled up. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know if anybody out there, if this is their, like, favorite song on the record or whatever. But, like, so much... Attention to detail from me went into that part. <laughs> it was, yeah, that's probably the most like uh, uh, mental real estate for me, you know. That um, you, you saying that you've spent on on, on like a Skeleton specific... Coast album, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. It, I was just like. I was so concerned, like, I was just like, if this part's not great, it's going to suck. Mm-hmm. And it has to do this exactly this way. And you've sung it right once. You have to sing it like you did, but better. You know? Yeah. Demo versus studio recording. And... um I definitely was concerned about it or whatever, but um, it it turned out in the studio. I mean, this song is one that blazed through. Like, there was no issue in this song. Like, the, the initial tracking was easy. Chris' uh, back vocals were easy. Uh, my My vocals were easy. And then Chris did that fucking guitar solo, which is like insane. I was like, "Hey, didn't know you could do that, <laughs> dude." That's that CC Deville coming out. It, it, well, you know what, man? I disagree. It's CC Deville is fast fingers. He's flashier, sure. No, no. He's not just flasher. I mean, of course he's flasher. He's in poison, but that's that's fine. But his signature is his speed, whereas slash mm-hmm. hits. This is a slash influence guitar solo, in my opinion. Um, just like big time bends. Ju- yeah, ju- yeah, just like it just. It sounds like it wants to fuck your mom, you know, like yeah, <laughs> like it yes. really does. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, <laughs> but it also sounds like your dad would be cool with that. Mm. <laughs> oh, your dad's pumping it. 
But sorry, I mean, like when it gets into like the idiosyncrasies of that kind of butt rock, uh, sometimes I have strong opinions. Uh, Sean Nader, if you're out there, which I know you are, um, please chime in and tell me if I'm correct or incorrect. Uh, Sean Nader, funny fact, can name every member of every band that's ever played hair metal. Uh, it's very uh, Rain Man-esque, I'd say. <laughs> um, How many toothpicks played bass in Poison? Well, only one. Wait, it was yeah. Ricky Rocket? The, no, Bobby, Ricky Bobby Rocket Dahl. was the drummer. Bobby Dahl was the... Really, just I, think, I feel like he was just their friend. And uh, just happened to be there. Now nah, he definitely. Um, first of all, uh, when Brett Michaels, the singer of Poison, um, was fucking uh, Pamela Anderson, uh, and then they broke up, and he was sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby Dahl is like on record is going, hey, who cares? You got to fuck the hottest bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I, I can't even begin to unpack how many things are wrong with that statement. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it is one of the most heartless things I've ever heard. But then he went ahead and fucked Brett Michaels' next girlfriend. And that's why he wasn't in the band for uh, Flesh and Blood. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. I love this. I love this. We could go on all day. Patreon.com slash Better Sandwich. We will find a way to integrate that into some content. Um, I know that nobody is thinking about this other than me. But when I stated... You started with the title. I just need you to know, Brendan, that I know that that's not how it works. But as a person who is into writing exercises, it felt like something that could have been in your range. Does that make sense? No, no, totally, totally. And uh, I mean... This is not on its surface the most like um, ephemeral artistic song, but it is. I feel like it's like I feel like it's like Russian lit, like Tolstoy, the death of Ivan Ilyich, something like that. It's just like. This is the ugliest possible thing, and these are the simplest words I can use to describe it. And boom, boom, boom. And I wanted that like title to be representative of that. Yeah. You know? And like the demon. It like just looked cool and it mm-hmm. it separated it from the other song I wrote called Demons. 
and it made sense to me thematically and in terms of what I was writing about. And um, so, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, fucking, it sounds like you screamed in bed for three days at the end of the song. Ew, when you're getting into that I am the demon part. Fucking shout out to Ivan Ilyich, friend of the pod. Mm. But no, I mean, I think just in like the title alone, like the demon is a much more, uh, it brings to the mind something a lot more, um, scary, dark, dark and like magical than demons. Just demons, you know, is a... Is a yeah, well, I mean, like, demons was a fun song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, demons was a fucking Motown song about Sean Nader. <laughs> uh, it, it it does feel like it's a, it's very much... Um, it's got that Pigeons and Spies vibe to it. Or this is... Uh, very just like a naked i'm gross i'm awful um yeah i mean i i don't think there's i've ever written a more self-flagellating song but like the whole idea of this song was like to be as completely bare knuckled as possible with it mm-hmm. you know and like there's this is the worst possible way that like I could um flagellate myself, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, like and I mean I am the garbage can, I am the trash. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the cautionary tale you can have. Like that's yeah dark <laughs> mm-hmm. you know like uh yeah it's it's like it the idea of the song is that the lyrics would be so dark and so like uh self-consciously brutal and then it would get to i am the demon and that would be worse mm-hmm yeah, <laughs> you know, like, like, um, I mean, I'm the dying, I'm the plague, I'm the sum of this mess that I made. Uh, it's, it's dismal shit, man. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, but then just, and, and it's like, and that's the part where I'm like, it, it it kind of like takes a tip from like the the Russians, like not that I'm like trying to put myself in anyway on the level of even somebody that writes fucking romance novels. But I'm just saying I like the Russian lit people. But like uh, you know, I'm the dying, I'm the plague, you know, I'm the garbage can, I'm the trash. Like it like it has that kind of vibe. Yeah. Of, like, you know, what I could do with, like, the Dostoevsky 
you know, hive mind or whatever. But, uh, well, and then there, there's like that, you know, in Bulgakov in Master Margarita, when he shows up and he's just like, oh, let me tell you who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole vibe of that scene was something that like was inspirational to this, whether or not I achieved anything in this, that anybody would ever be like, Oh, that's like that. I, I mean, I doubt it, but, uh, that's where I, my head was at. But the idea was I'm the garbage can. I'm the trash. I'm the cautionary tale you can have. I'm the dying. I'm the, plague i mean like that's as like hateful as it gets Mm -hmm. but i am the demon is worse over and over and over again you know Mm -hmm. and it's just like you've heard nothing yet It's never gonna end, and it like it. It actually kind of makes me happy because like when Matt was like Matt Allison was like, I don't know if you have to say this this much. I'm sure it's because it made him uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because it's it's too many times. But that's. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night? And taking stock of your entire life and not being able to go back to bed and then just gone, uh, fuck, 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 over and over and over and over and over again. And oh no, I, I, I'm t- I totally have it all together. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the demon. 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 That's the idea, you know? I mean, whether it works or not, but this is like the most high concept art piece I did on this whole thing. Uh, It is very short. If it wasn't for Chris's guitar solo, I don't think anybody would ever fucking listen to this song. But uh, it is... I'm very proud of it for what it was. Uh, I don't think it's my best song on the record or anything like that. But uh, it's in a different position to me than the rest of the songs on this record. This was all this was like a very art artistic experience. Yeah. Uh or um exercise, you know, as opposed to the rest. Hell yeah. Which was you know, so Hell yeah. You should be proud. Well, that'll never happen. Well. <laughs> you can at least be proud of this podcast, Road to the Skeleton Coast. We have completed side one of the record we're gonna come back next week and dig right into side two tell your friends subscribe give us a good rating yeah nice review 
on your podcast player. And uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash better sandwich, where if you like the idea of, you know, hearing more from the Skeleton Coast in that. That's right. What's already there. You, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the Skeleton Coast, but do you have the Skeleton Brine? Do you have the Skeleton uh, Marrow? Bones? Yeah, the marrow, the um, weirdos walking around, the the glass. There's always glass on the beach. Uh, <laughs> you you can get that, and it's just really nice. Um, it it's not a lot of money, but it there's content every week, and it um, it helps us be able to do this, and uh, we appreciate it. Yeah. We'll be back next week. We'll see you then. Thank you, friends. Peace.